Hey guys, Mike Schindler here with The Military Wire. Think of it for a moment, how many of us have envied the success of someone we met in person or we saw on a movie screen? You know, honestly, you've had those thoughts. I know you have, I know I have. I, you know, I see that success, I want that success, I've got to get that done. Some of you put in the work, but after exhausting yourself, you aren't any closer to where you want to go or where you want to be. A year or two goes by and you aren't any farther along in your journey. It's not uncommon. Few in the marketplace seem to be on point in mission, not because they lack a desire, but really because maybe it's just a know-how and a mindset. And I want to assure you, you're not alone on this. Our guest today is going to help us understand what it takes to develop the mindset that not only helped him become a radar intercept officer, operating the weapons systems in the Navy's F-14 Tomcat fighter, but then was selected to become an aerial combat instructor at the elite Navy Fighter Weapons School, better known as Top Gun. While serving as an instructor in 1985, he had the unusual experience of flying aerial sequences used in the film Top Gun. And I just got to say, Top Gun Maverick is coming out next year. Those of you who know me know my favorite song is Danger Zone. And I assure you, it's probably going to be a great success. That first movie grossed over $300 million and was one of the best recruiting films to date. So guys, welcome to the Military Wire with Mike Schindler. This is the podcast where we interview America's most elite men and women who have served this country. We share their stories of overcoming, their proven lessons in leadership, and their journey to finding mission and pur- purpose. So Dave Baronic, welcome to the show. Hi, Mike. Thanks so much for having me and happy to uh, to be on your program today, on your podcast. Yeah, no, this is great. I'm, I'm actually honored to have you. So this is, you know, before I really launch, launch into the mindset piece, um, I, can you share with us just a little bit about your childhood? I mean, what, what, what about your childhood that gave you the upper edge or did you just come from pretty much a common childhood? I did have a fairly common childhood. Um, you know, in the in the years um, since I completed my uh, military service flying and since I've retired, I've become uh, more introspective about how it all got started. And uh, it, I wish I could put my finger on a specific incident or episode, but uh, I just remember around the time I was 10 years old, I just got this concept that I wanted to be a fighter pilot. And uh, after that, I did whatever... I, I needed to do to, to become a fighter pilot. And as, as you said, I was a radar intercept officer. So as we're talking today, we're going to talk about, you know, plan B because I was not a fighter pilot, but, uh, the, the bottom line is that I just, I, I got that dream and that was my passion. And it's similar to the way other people, you know, have a passion to pursue whatever, whatever their dream is. So did, were your parents, uh, did they feed that dream or did, I mean, you know, kids grow up today, what, you know, they want to be policemen, firemen, I mean, fighter pilots, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I mean, were you watching TV shows that were influencing this decision, Dave? Okay. So when I, when I got this idea, it was, uh, you know, around 1970 roughly. And, uh, the, the most thing that I did, the most supportive thing that I did was my dad took us to every air show. That was in uh, our hometown of Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, besides that, you know, I I read all the aviation books I could find uh, because there there weren't that many movies or certainly good movies or TV shows about uh, 
about military airplanes. Yeah, and we were still in the thick of Vietnam at that point. I mean, I, I know that some of that was downsizing, but um, and so there wasn't a whole. It's just interesting to me that timeline, and we don't need to necessarily go into that. But you know, Vietnam was still thriving, uh, and military service, I don't think, was top of mind for most. Right? Or am I wrong on this? Oh no, you're right. Uh, and I was aware of that, but. Uh, like I said, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. There were my family was not military or navy, but there were a lot of uh, navy people in Jacksonville, and so you know, well, of course, we were aware of uh, of that, uh, you know, anti-Vietnam. Let's say that anti-Vietnam feelings around the country. But but I ended up getting a lot of support, and uh, and so you talk about did, did my parents support me? Well, one thing that I did was in high school, I went to junior ROTC. Mm. And, and that helped, you know, uh, it's not aviation focused, but it was, uh, it just gave me a, a, you know, a launching pad and, and even more background in uh, military and aviation. No, that's so cool. So you entered the Navy 1979, uh, and you kind of touched on this. You had this desire to be a a fighter pilot, Uh, but part of your bio, you, you talked about, you had to shift gears. So walk us through how that happened. Cause sometimes we get this dream. We're fixed on the dream. We know what it is we want. And then life happens, things happen. So what happened in your case? Uh, first off, I was, I really entered the Navy based on almost a flip of the coin. Uh, in high school, I didn't, I was divided air force or Navy. And then, you know, at the last minute I had to uh, make a decision before I went to college. And so I, I just remember I had a short discussion with my father and I ended up going Navy. And uh, as it turned out, I was fortunate I did because my eyesight just went bad when I was in college. Mm. And, and so I could not be a pilot in either the Air Force or the Navy, but the Navy had the two seat F-14 was coming along brand new. And so I shifted my goal to be in a Rio and it was still, uh, being a Rio is still very competitive and challenging, um, which actually, I mean, that's, Mike, you and I know a lot of your listeners have have met challenges and have beat them. And so, you know, it was great. Um, it was a, a, the right kind of challenge for me, and I was able to uh, get through it all. So, if we, and I want to tie this back to Top Gun, uh, so in the movie, so you were not Maverick, you were Goose, is that right? That's right. Okay. Got it. And, and when I was an instructor, just to put it in perspective, uh, at the end of the movie, you'll see a credit that says, uh, thanks to the Top Gun instructors and MIG pilots. And there are 16 names on that list. And 12 of them are pilots. And four of us were Rios. Is that right? And you were one of the four. So you were actually in the Top Gun movie. Is that right? Yes. Uh, all 16 of us instructors helped uh, to some extent. We we talked to the actors about how they how to do things. We flew the jets for the uh, for the plane and stuff like that for the film. So how did this happen? So you you shifted gears. You become instead of a pilot, you become a, a Rio, and then suddenly this movie emerges, which you know, as I said in, in the opening, you know, one of the best recruiting films ever. It's actually what got me into the Navy too. But how did you? How did this happen, Dave? I mean, this is like a fluke or a, what? There was five years between the time I uh, joined the Navy and the Top Gun movie started filming, or or six years. I uh, first, you know, I had to get through the training command, 
Then I had to get through the F-14 training squadron. Then I went to uh, my first fleet squadron, which was uh, VF-24, an F-14 Tomcat squadron. Uh, I went on two deployments. I had a lot of great adventures. In fact, one of them was when uh, my F-14 crashed on a carrier landing and, and the pilot and I ejected, which was very exciting. <laughs> but, but you know, I was 23 years old, so we both survived. We get back on the flight deck and I was going, all right, I'm ready to go again, you know? <laughs> so then uh, I was... Uh, I went through Top Gun as a student. Uh, I was invited back as an instructor and I was there. Uh, I got there as an instructor in 1984. And it, the timing was just very good that, uh, that there had been a magazine article written uh, that, and, uh, and some, you know, Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer saw the magazine article, got the inspiration for the movie and everything fell into place in 1985. And I was there as an instructor when they showed up to start filming the movie. No kidding. Wow. So I, so uh, amazing to me now, I, you know, Top Gun as a pain in the movie. And I think that most people, you know, that's, that's why they know the school, right? I mean, obviously we know it was founded, what, 1969, you know, as a result of things that happened in Vietnam, uh, our ratios between, you know, you know, enemy pilots being shot down was at its lowest it had ever been. And one of the primary reasons for the school to emerge. But there's a mindset that it takes to get into that school, number one, and number two, to, to emerge and, and then be invited back as an instructor. So what sets you apart from others? I mean, can you describe that? Uh, well, you know, the, the thing that I would have to say set me apart would be, uh, one, I, I was fortunate. Um, because, uh, because there were, you know, there were guys that, that wanted to do it and could do it. Uh, and there were other guys that just didn't want to be instructors, but, but in terms of how anyone gets there is, uh, you have to have a passion for it. And, and I go back, you know, I think passion may be either an overused word or something, but I think that is what's in your heart, uh, and fuels your commitment and your hard work. And I remember you know, uh, many times, uh, just a lot of times studying and, and thinking and trying things in the airplane just to keep getting better and be the best I could be. And so uh, when I went through the Top Gun class as a student, uh, the pilot I was flying with, who he was also invited back as an instructor, we, we worked together. We did a lot of intelligent things. We thought about it and we did the best we could and it, and things worked out. And then when you go back as an instructor, I mean, if you want, I'll tell you a few things that I recall about the Top Gun School. That a hundred percent, yeah. No, I, I think this is insightful for people because Dave, what you're describing is you're talking about passion, which to your to your point, people do that word is used a lot. But it, I think if we were to look at today, a lot of people aren't on passion. So yeah, describe some of these experiences. Okay, so so here's what how Top Gun becomes, uh, or, or my, my opinion of how Top Gun, uh, established its legendary status. Uh, let me, let me say something that's subtle and it's, it's not one of the rules that they tell you, but at Top Gun, when they have a rule, when they have a guideline or something, they follow it. So I think you, me, we've all been to places where there's, there's rules written and people go, oh, we don't do that. We don't follow that, whatever. Hey, at Top Gun, if they tell you to do something, they mean it. 
Mm. Uh, and when you're a new instructor, you learn this and you see all the instructors doing it also. So there's consistency. There's not a lot of fluff. Uh, they have a, an excellent mentoring program, but the new instructor, uh, Mike, in my case, and, and the other guys that I talked to, you would work, you know, uh, let's see, what's 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., 14 hours a day, five days a week. And then on weekends, uh, in order to get your lecture or to get up to speed on something. So you put in a lot of time. And, and again, as I said earlier, it takes a lot of passion. Now, you also have to have the ability. And I guess in my case, I, I had the ability you know, to do math in my head, to function in three dimensions and, and things like that. Uh, I also, I respected these guys. I wanted to be on this team. And so if they you know, gave me comment, criticism, I accepted it, took it on board. And you know, if that's hard for some people, they're, they're going to have a hard time improving their situation. Yeah, but you're talking about feedback. And the other thing that I love, and I and I know this is kind of thrown around oftentimes, is, hey, it takes 21 days to change a habit. And and really what it takes is consistent, consistent effort to change a habit. So if you're doing something two or three times a day or putting in, like you say, 14 hours a day, you get really good at your trade and your craft, not because you've been doing it, you know, 21 days, but because you've done it consistently over and over. So, right, I mean, it could take three days to change a habit as opposed to 21 if you're doing it multiple times in those days. And I think, Dave, what I love that you're talking about, and oftentimes we see this in the marketplaces and the studies show this, is veterans grab onto that first job they get and roll out within the first six months, more so at a higher capacity rate than their civilian counterpart because they, it's not a best fit, right? They're chasing the money or they're chasing something that they can be good at or that they know that they could do but to your point, it's not driving that passion. And so there's no investment. Um, and you're talking about <laughs> investing in success, right? Uh, very good, Mike. Yeah. And you've, you've got, you know, the facts to back it up. <clears throat> I think that uh, veterans and all people need to be ready to admit when it's something's not a good fit and to make the change. You know, that's, uh, that. of course, some people don't have that option. They have bills to pay, whatever. They, they, they don't have a better, you know, they don't have a better option. So they have to stick with something. But, uh, you know, if, when you realize something's not working, you got to be ready to change it. And, and I mean, I, when I did that as a new instructor, one of the uh, lectures I was assigned to uh, work on, I had this concept and it was just co totally wrong. And I had about three other instructors say in bio, you need to do this. You know, we need to go in this direction. And so I go, oh yeah. You know, and then light bulb came on and I went full speed in that direction. Yeah. So you know, I want to unpack this a little bit, Dave, because this is, this is pretty interesting to me. So as a Top Gun instructor, um, and, and I want to say that I met Tom Skerritt, which was amazing because <laughs> that was the closest I ever got to, uh -huh. a, to a Top Gun instructor. <laughs> let me tell you, um, was Tom Skerritt. But you know, there, there's this image of, okay, you know it all. You've got the ability to do things that most humans can't do. Uh, you are, you know, in charge, you know, ready to go at all times. But you're talking about another component is it's okay to walk in confidence, but also be humble enough to take feedback and listen to the constructive criticism or the guidance 
and that takes like true leadership. So how did you develop that? Because it's one thing you've got to profess knowing it, but it's another thing to be open to correction. Well, Mike, when I walked in, I, uh, you know, I got corrected pretty quickly. And so I figured out, <laughs> hey, I need uh, to learn some things. And most uh, pilots or, or most instructors are smart enough to say, I'm a new guy. And these guys are the Top Gun instructors, and and so I need to listen to them. Every once in a while, you'd get someone who who thought that they walked in ready to go, and they would, you know, just have to get beat down, basically, or yeah. get recalibrated. And then, okay, you know, are you ready to listen to us yet and, and do it this way? So uh, as people talk about uh, failures out of Top Gun, and when I was there, I don't think we lost any instructors, but but in my knowledge, there were just one or two guys who showed up and it was not a good fit. And so they transferred out of Top Gun uh, early. And so it, it does happen there. Uh, when I was there, I mean, I'm I'm just thinking back of the the, uh, the team that we had, but uh, we just had a, a lot of different people, but they all, you know, when it, when it came time to put on the blue suit and be an instructor, uh, cause we wore blue flight suits, they, uh, you know, they, yeah. they played the instructor. Yeah. Part. Is it, is there something that you would say sets one person apart from another, like those who succeed, what, what separates those who succeed from those who don't, in your opinion? Like it, you, you, I mean, you see some in the class and some succeed, some don't. What sets them apart? Oh, in the Top Gun class? Yeah. Uh, it's got to be uh, uh, some of it, it's multiple things. Some, part of it is uh, attitude and willingness to learn. Uh, mm. Because if you get someone who's hard headed or just uh, full of themselves, you know, you do the best you can uh, and they they're going to improve, but they're not going to reach their full potential. But uh, also they're they have to have ability. And, and of course, you know, the military services, all of them, all branches, all uh, do a good job of of giving people, cultivating ability and training people to do their mission. And when a person comes through the Top Gun class in the Navy, uh, they had been flying jets for at least three years. Uh, so they'd had a lot of training and a moderate amount of experience. So they walked in with the ability to to be a good Top Gun student. Yeah, got it. That's I think there's a key point in that. Dave, what, what is one piece of advice you would give to somebody that is transitioning? I mean, there's so many nuggets in this conversation, but what is the one thing that you would want somebody to take out? Mike, that that's a tough one because uh, because I've you know I did the transition myself in 1999, and I went through uh, a period of uncertainty. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do when I retired. A lot of the uh, a lot of my pilot friends wanted to be airline pilots. And for them, it was a, a pretty, you know, uh, that's a pretty straightforward transition. Although, although not all fighter pilots want to fly in the airlines. And as a Rio, uh, it would have been much harder for me to become an airline pilot because, because I had not been trained to fly. And so I, I said, you know, I want to, uh, I want to do something totally different. So I spent some time, uh, thinking about being, uh, the international transportation coordinator for a fresh flower delivery service or, fre- you know, on, I mean, on a 
you know, large scale. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just had all these wacky ideas and in the end, uh, in my case, I went with my strength, which was, you know, military experience. And so, uh, that's what I ended up doing. Um, I think, but, but I know guys that got out and, and have gone into a variety of, of businesses, investment. So you, you just have to decide, uh, what you're happiest with, yeah, um, you know, you're driving back down to that whole purpose, right. Or that passion. You're talking. Yes. You're, you're talking about you know. Be sure that you invest in post service. You know when you're trying to figure out that identity is what are you passionate about that gets you out of bed in the morning. Some guys, uh, you know, they they like what their major was in college. Uh, you know, electrical engineering, nuclear engineering, whatever. Uh, and they go and they find a career in that field. And you know, they have their military experience, whether it's aviation, driving tanks, whatever. And they've got that, but but that doesn't define the rest of their life. Yep. And so I I know your audience is is going to include you know a variety of people. Other people, they didn't know what they wanted to do, and so you know they join the military, they become a medic or something, and they go, "God, I love medicine," and they pursue that career. So, uh, Mike, there's there's not one answer that fits everybody. They just have to uh, do some some soul searching. Uh, if the, I mean, unless the answer pops out to them. Yep then they're fortunate. Yeah. No, I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. Dave, Dave, you know, you've got a new book coming out next year. Um, Tell us about this. Tell us what this new book is all about. Mike, my, uh, my first book was, uh, was called Top Gun Days. And uh, it's, and it came out a few years ago and I wrote about the, the, the fun of flying, the challenges, uh, a lot of my adventures and things like that. And I was very aware that I was uh, representing Top Gun uh, just with the title of the book, Top Gun Days. Uh, And this new book is going to be, you know, for lack of a better word, a little bit looser. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to tell a few few different kinds of uh, stories, like some of our uh, some of our party annex at Miramar. but still with a lot of, uh, of flying stories. And also I'm going to talk about my own uh, leadership growth. Mm, good. In the Navy. So good. Yeah. It's uh, it's right now it's, it's going to be called Tomcat Rio. That's, I think that's the name of the title. Uh, that's the title we're going to stick with. And it's going to be out in uh, May okay. 2020. Oh, this is good. That, that's great. Well, I, I, we need to be sure that our audience bookmarks that and, Dave, I just want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, gosh, I, uh, I and I'm going to talk to our team about getting you back on the show too, especially as your book gets closer to coming out, because um, I think uh, I think people need to read it. They need to hear your voice. They they I think you can help them along this journey. And and um, guys who are listening, you know, visit Dave's website. It's TopGunBio.com. That's TopGun and BIO.com. So TopGunBio. Um, you know, for those of you who want to go deeper discovering your post-service identity, be sure to visit our website, omfcares.com and uh, keep, keep your eye out for this vision 2020 mastermind that's coming out uh, next year in 2020. But Dave, I just want to say thank you for being on the show. Thanks for, you know, serving. Thanks for really sharing what it took for you to develop a mindset to help you become successful, but be a continual learner. I think that's so important. Mike, I will uh, keep you informed about the uh, progress of the next book when it comes out. 
And uh, as I said before, thanks for having me on the show. And I want to tell you, thanks for being a platform to help uh, our men and women in service as they as they grow and uh, continue to live their lives. So good job, Mike. Thanks. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Thanks again.